like you're always stuck in second gear when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. I hope everyone is real comfortable with pastel walls because this week we're watching Friends on the Showdown. Welcome, everybody, again to the pod. And as always, the showdown is recorded in front of a live dog and cat audience. Meow. My name is Cliff, and this is the podcast where I, a television idiot, dissect one epic TV series with a television expert. So, Colin, how are things in TV land today? I think things in TV land are great right now. I think it's I think it's fitting that you say TV land because that's one of the many, many networks hosting Friends right now. It's true. That's true. So, uh, we'll, we'll certainly uh, get into syndication and all the ins uh-huh. and outs of that exciting topic here and more, uh, but the, the topic of today's show, of course, is uh, the, the truly epic TV series Friends, the, the sitcom that most people are familiar with, I think, at least in terms of reputation. So this should be a, an interesting task to try and take this thing apart and figure out, is it any good? I think we're authorities equipped to do that. Yeah, and frankly, bring on the letters. We're going to get them. <laughs> You're going to be real mad. I expect many angry tweets. Come at us. I mean, that's I think that's our message. Uh, So, of course, you know, we'll start off with the overview here. We were talking about we're talking about friends is what we're talking about. The the air dates for friends were unbelievably 1994 to 2004, which will probably be a theme that comes up. I was the age of 14 when this show started. And so it shaped a lot of my understanding of what it was like to be an adult in in New York City, which, of course, is completely inaccurate, as we know now. Um, I think about the same age for you, probably. Yeah, I was 11 when it started, Mm -hmm. which tells you a lot about my romantic expectations Mm -hmm. for relationships and breaks, for example. Sure, yeah. I learned a lot. Uh-huh. So we certainly did. So uh, so it aired for for a, a decade over mostly the 90s, and I think is a show uh, associated with the 90s in, in many, many ways, which we'll, we'll get into. It aired on NBC originally, although like you alluded to, it's aired on many networks in syndication. It's, it's a show that I remember watching as being first run on NBC and also in syndication on stations like TBS. It was one of those shows that just kind of aired over and over and over again, much like Seinfeld and the Brady Bunch and now you might say the Big Bang Theory and some of those types of shows it's a heavily syndicated show on many networks because it does really well people love it yeah and then uh, it's, the format of course the show is always probably familiar is a live sitcom which I think is worth pointing out live sitcoms are uh, a, a bit of a rarity these days and I, for me at least personally going back and watching any sort of a live sitcom uh, that, that has a live audience with a laugh track it's, it's, it's jolting like it's weird to think that we sort of grew up with it in television but now here it because it's so rare these days, it feels a little foreign to have an audience that's kind of disconnected that you can't see. I think everybody's so used to the single camera shows, it's a little a little odd. Yeah, I agree. As Cliff mentioned, it ran for 10 seasons, a total of 236 episodes. And the cast, top billed Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc, Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. David Schwimmer, and IMDb actually mentions James Michael Tyler, but I don't think... Gunther quite makes the cut. Gunther is there for I, I believe it's 140 something episodes. That's not enough to be top build. Well, it's it, it's it's enough to where there's like a hundred episodes between him and the next person on the on Jeez. the list. Amazingly, yeah, and it right. even has a prominent part as we just will talk about our our rewatching a prominent part in the in the finale. Yeah, uh, even kind of shows up and gets a little bit of a, a tribute there as a final a uh, final line. So the description of this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and get through this here, but it, it may be a little bit redundant. So, uh, Rachel Green, Ross Geller, Monica Geller, Joey Tribbiani, Chandler Bing, and Phoebe Buffay are six 20-something-year-olds living off of one another in the heart of New York City. Over the course of 10 years, the savage group of buddies goes through a, goes through massive mayhem, family trouble, past and future romances. That's saying uh, that's the least as possible <laughs> about that. Uh, fights, laughs, tears, and surprises as they learn what it really means 
to be a friend. And somehow sex isn't mentioned in that description, even though it's pretty much all there is in this it's, show. It's round robin. There's, yeah. I hope they're getting <laughs> yeah. tested a lot is, is oh, my, God, my, so. my advice to them. So, yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about the ratings? I and, do. Uh, yeah. This is, a, this is a very well-loved show, both sort of critically and, and popular opinion wise mm-hmm. the imdb rating is an 8.9 which is great tv.com gives it a 9.2 both of those are on a 10 point scale just for the record mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> as far as awards go we have one golden globe for jennifer aniston in 2003 which i guess was the second to last season yep. and then we have eight emmys uh michael lembeck in 1996 i'm not sure who that was for, for best direction Oh, thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Kudrow in 1998, Bruce Willis in 2000, probably for his um, guest appearance. Guest appearance, mm-hmm. yeah, as a, a guy that Rachel Green was dating, and also the dad of a girl that Ross Geller was dating, and also Die Hard. <laughs> no, he didn't win the Emmy for Die Hard. Well, he should have. <laughs> he should have. All right. Just, just, we can all agree on a, that. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Things Bruce Willis should have won awards uh-huh. for. Tune in <laughs> for that. All right. Uh, in uh, 2002, Jennifer Aniston won. In 2002, uh, they won Best Comedy Series Emmy. In 2003, Christina Applegate won for a guest star. And then finally, we have two SAG awards, one for Lisa Kudrow in 2000 and one for the ensemble in 1996. Yeah, something I found really interesting as I was kind of looking through the, uh, the the awards, they've obviously won a lot of awards, a lot of nominations. We only talk about the awards won. They were nominated for something, if not many, many things, about every year that they were on the air. And surprisingly, which I, maybe this happens more often than, than we realize, but if, there's a couple of references like Christine Applegate, Bruce Willis, um, for winning Best Guest Appearance. Uh, Friends was was pretty renowned at the time. I think other series did it, but they more than most had like these big kind of splashy guest appearances with Tom Selleck, who we'll talk about uh, oh, a little yes, bit later. All, all sorts of uh, they they were pretty good about having you know guest appearances, and every single year they had it seems like someone nominated for best guest appearance. A couple of wins in here, but they were uh, it really went out of their way to make sure they had some uh, some names showing up on screen. Yeah, I think most memorably, probably for me anyway, was when Brad Pitt guest starred because if you remember, he was married to Jennifer. For Aniston at the time, mm-hmm. but not no mo. Oh boy, yeah, that's a that is also a different podcast. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. So uh, are married to Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Pit Files. Okay, no, <laughs> the Pit Files has already been canceled. I just got word here on my uh, on my phone. So um, notable filming locations uh, for the most part, they did some on site filming, but they actually filmed in uh, it's on stage twenty four of the Warner Brothers Studio in Los Angeles, which is notable because we've actually been to that location. We that's have, right. I had a chance to have our picture taken on the friend's couch in Central Perk and which passed, we passed on. Uh, which we decided we were, we were like, not interested in. The line was long. The line I'll was very long in our defense. But I want a, a really good example again in the sitcom vein where it was filmed, you know, in a studio. There's a live studio audience, obviously, and all the sets are are, are built and um, kind of has that certainly that look and feel. Not a lot of exterior shots. And even when there were, those were also shot on on the lot, on the studio lot, kind of in a, in a closed closed area. Top-rated episode, there are actually two. There's a tie. I put the more interesting one in here. At, coming in at 9.7 on IMDb in Season 5, Episode 14, the one where everybody finds out. Uh, again, rated a 9.7. Specifically the one where the, the rest of the, the gang, quote-unquote, finds out that uh, Monica and Chandler are dating. I think mm-hmm. that was pretty pretty popular. It's a reasonable episode. There's a tie between that I thought it was and, great. I thought it was very entertaining. <sighs> okay, we can get into it later. I I, it, it was great. tied with the very last episode of the season. The, the, the series finale was also came in at a nine point seven, which is just uh, just a, must be some also sort of a typo. A great episode, <laughs> uh huh. So uh, that's that's it for the overview. We'll, we'll get into it here in a minute. But just as our familiarity disclaimer, I kind of put down the most possible. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is one of those shows that not just us, but probably most people listening to this podcast, all seven of you uh, out there that <laughs> that are hearing it, six of you by accident because you press the wrong button it, you know it shows on everywhere all the time like when it aired it was just a behemoth of a show it had just ratings you know bonanza and everything was uh was working for it and then went into syndication everywhere all the time is a part of kind of the social ether i mean it's, it's just kind of a pop culture yeah, footprint. haircuts on top of everything else the rachel it's, was 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of so so we're familiar. We've seen every episode. We watch them when they air. We've also seen them in rerun. We we did go back through since it did stop airing in two thousand four, and by my account, it is no longer uh, that. Uh, we did go through and and uh, and kind of do a refresher and watch episodes from each season and different important episodes just to kind of refresh ourselves. And so we are super familiar with the show and excited to talk about it because oh boy, do we have some opinions. So before we do that, we're gonna uh, go through a segment for you called theme song jukebox in case you're not not quite as familiar. Okay, very. That's very, very energetic. I, I, I like the energy. So uh, that was uh, that was theme song jukebox. Of course, the the ever popular uh, version of, uh, of the theme. It really that's makes how me, I sing it when I, I watch makes it. Wanna, it. Makes me want to dance in a fountain. What can I say? So yep. so with that, it's time to get into it. Let's move along to that part of our uh, of our podcast where you get to break it all down. Colin, are you ready for your close up? Absolutely. So this is this is close ups. This is, you know, where we, we stop and, and talk a little bit about our, our, our thoughts with the show. I, I have so many. I do, too. Some positive, surprisingly. Uh, in, in I some, think I have a lot of positive. Some, some do you not like friends? Well, I, 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 I do. And I, I, I don't. We'll, we'll get into that. So why don't you go ahead and start with a, with a <laughs> well, lead us off? I'll start by saying that I love friends. I think it's a great show. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I love watching reruns. And even now, when we rewatched a lot of it, I found myself enjoying it, despite my best efforts at being snarky and cynical. This is really entertaining. It's a great show. Sure. It, it, it is a great show. I don't think anybody would dispute the, the success of the show, certainly. I, I, to me, it felt like it definitely has a, an, an arc to it, uh, where it starts off very strong and in degrades. I kind of found myself as we were rewatching, which I don't remember noticing during during the first run, but, um, you know, I, I kind of wrote some notes to myself, you know, has it aged well, being a, a show that was on well over a decade ago? Uh, and I, I, I think the jokes have aged very well. I, I found myself kind of, they were relevant, they were funny, I and mean, they're based on all characters in the show, but, um, I, you know, I thought it was funny, the, the, the look of the show has not aged so well. No, no. Um, in such a beautiful way, it's kind of a time capsule of an era. And I think, you know, we, we kind of look back and laugh and certainly we'll talk about the fashion and the hair and all that. And it's ridiculous, but I, I think you're right. I think, I think compared to other shows at the time, it seems like it does a pretty good job of being a little more PC. For example, you know, there are times there are jokes that would have been made at the time that would not have aged well. And I, I didn't see a lot of those. So that's good. Yeah, there's a handful. And I've read some things about, you know, I, I, I have some thoughts about that, too. I, 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 would, I would classify the show as a time capsule. Yeah. Right. So it's not meant to be watched in 2018 or, or whatever it is that you might happen to, to to watch it. And having lived through that time, I kind of understand it. But there's, you know, there's a lot of notes I made about about the, the look of the show uh, and how it's aged. I, one note I put in particular is, is so many lady suspenders. Yeah. The exclamation point that that seemed to be a, a thing that was just acceptable, I guess, back then. I don't recall Look, that. But I also wore suspenders in the 90s because I took cues from <laughs> the fashion icons of the time. The other thing I'll point out is fashion as, icons. Yes. Uh-huh. The fashion icons okay. of the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, Monica Geller, the Rachel. OK. OK. All right. All right. But I'll also mention that the the episode we have here in the background playing Monica is wearing a vest without a shirt on underneath. Mm-hmm. It's just a vest buttoned up as though it's a shirt. It's it, it, How you does know, that work? There's a lot of nonsense going on for sure. And, and again, 
normal back then. I, I think it was a she's little... She's doing it again. It's the same thing. Look, another scene, and she's wearing a different vest yeah, as a, a shirt. Yeah, we, we always play the show in the background, and right as we as we speak, it's, it is on display. There are both suspenders and a vest in the shot that we're seeing on the TV right now. So A lot of blazers uh, for women who aren't at work. Yeah, I, you know, another note I made is, is everyone uh, has their shirt tucked into their jeans. Why? Yeah. Uh, and then jean and blazer city. Um, <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of blazers with jeans going on. That seems to be like the casual look I guess is to wear a jacket in the city in the summer, which I don't know that I can. I which can is interesting for. because I'll be the first to admit that on a day at work these days, I wear jeans and a blazer. That's <laughs> that's my go-to work outfit. That's nice top underneath. That's that's true. That's a, that's a it's a very smart look. It's Apparently, very... Friends is still influencing fashion choices for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> intentionally or not. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, so so what, any other notes about the? I mean, we could go on for a, a long time about the a, a, the look of the show. I, I think it's. I, I have more thoughts about the fashion and the haircuts. Sure. Well, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, the haircuts are kind of their own. Their, their own topic, perhaps. Like, there's yeah. a lot going on yeah. with haircuts in this show. Yeah, we we watched the episode where they go to is it Bermuda and Monica gets dreadlocks with the with the shells on them. That was incredible. Uh, certainly, Rachel is kind of the the front runner for best hair throughout the course of the series. Mm-hmm. I personally like her bob the best. Mm-hmm. She had a little very cute bob in some of the later seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you're not as interested in this hair topic. Well, I, you know, I, I would submit to you that, that Joey has the most interesting hair. He definitely in has show. interesting I, I, hair. I took a note specifically that says season, Joey's season one haircut is upsetting. And it kind of wavers back and forth if you watch it. Almost in, even within seasons of is it going to cover his face or is it going to cover is it not going to cover his face you know and no one seems to make mention of the fact that it it's it's like a it's it's a it's its own living entity on top mm-hmm. of his head it's really it's really bizarre yeah i mean you can tell it's a living entity because have how much they have to moisten it it's just constantly moist all of their hair is wet or greasy at every moment and it's a little upsetting i know that was kind of the deal in the 90s but ross's hair especially is just a real greasy mess it's is it's uh yeah it's something else for sure so what other thoughts do you have about the show i will say shout out to john favreau in early seasons mm-hmm. cliff mm-hmm. mentioned there are a lot of really great guest stars paul mm-hmm. rudd aisha tyler in later seasons elliot gould terry gar mm-hmm. anna ferris that's up right late. Yep. that's right there there are some young comedians and some old classics like elliot gould he's a favorite mm-hmm. of mine and on that note, I, I have a question for you, Cliff. Which of Ross's wives is your favorite? Ross Ross married Carol before the show, mm-hmm. and then he married Emily for a very short window. Uh, he married Rachel for a little bit in the middle, and then I guess again after the show ended, presumably. I, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time keeping track of exactly who Ross has or has not. I assume he's married all of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, except his sister. So you're, you're asking me which of his ex-wives? Uh-huh. I do not understand the question. <laughs> all right. Then I retract. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's just... Well, here, I get maybe, maybe a different answer I can give you is it's definitely not Rachel. I had a, I had a very specific <laughs> note that just says Ross and Rachel dot, dot, dot. I do not care. Oh, um, no, that's hurtful. Yeah, I, I know it's the main story arc in the show. I just... It's it's, it's exhaustion from, from what's going on. On. I, so, uh, well, there is one thing I would I would say, sort of jumping off of that. I I do care about Ross and Rachel, with the with the small little caveat of that Ross is a terrible person, and I don't think he should, you know, be rewarded for his bad. Like the episode where it's Monica and Colin, Chandler's with Colin. Colin, they were on a break. Okay, <laughs> right. I can't believe I'm having. I'm so. not even talking about that example. It's true, they were on a break. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, he literally went downstairs and banged another lady. Well, he's a doctor. That's, that's, that's doctors will want to do. I, I agree. No, the, the thing that really made me feel that way was uh, Monica and Chandler's wedding, where he's trying to hit on that lady, Mona, and she's 
it clearly interested in him already. And so the little girls want to dance with him. And he's like, okay, I'll dance with them as long as the little girls are watching, which is obnoxious on a couple of levels. And then the bigger girl wants to dance on his feet. And he, he just gets really childish and mad about it. I feel like I'm going into too much detail for this example. <laughs> but oh, please continue. <laughs> please. I don't know. He, he gets, he gets hysterical easily, which, uh, leads me to one point David Schwimmer might actually be the best actor on the show but that said Ross wow. is kind of the worst wow wow in a, in a show literally with Magnum P.I. walking around okay you're gonna, I, I meant no, of the I no, meant of the main six no now we're gonna have a problem okay. now we're gonna have a problem this this started out with you me trying to give you the benefit of, of the doubt <laughs> and you're gonna drag Magnum P.I. into the bus here and it's 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 gonna be a problem he was incredibly charming on this show I have to say it was it was interesting to on watch. the show on, just on the show. Oh, here right. we go. Wow. Okay. Here we go. No, no. You've look. Your true colors. You're shining through right now. He was an ophthalmologist. Famously said. So, I, so some other thoughts. Maybe kind of a non sequitur here to change the subject because clearly I, I am very upset by the fact that you're I, you're you're a hater of Tom Selleck. I just don't understand. I love Tom Selleck. Uh, um, I, I wrote a note about Gunther. I think we should we should talk about Gunther a little bit. Yeah, let's, let's unpack Gunther. <laughs> yeah. So Gunther, you know, I, I certainly remember him from the original show, but you know, I. I, I <laughs> kept looking at him thinking he looks familiar to me why does he look familiar he looks really familiar and I finally figured out what it is that Gunther is to me uh, is a cross between uh, Buffalo Bill and Teller from Penn and Teller oh, like if boy. like if you could fuse those two things you would have Gunther from the coffee shop so I don't know who that is the most insulting to oh everyone involved Gunther or Penn and Teller yeah, no, there's or no Buffalo winner. Bill yeah there's no winner you know but he's like God bless him he's trying uh, as far as we know he didn't murder anyone in the show like we there's no way so. to he, really you know confirm that but it doesn't seem like he did look certainly. he got a SAG card for 10 years for doing walk into scene holding coffee pot walk out of scene holding coffee pot he's seventh build on arguably one of the most successful sitcoms of all time exactly yeah i i i I don't know the statistics and probably would never be curious to know what his 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 paycheck was compared to the other six i also would be curious to know and and forgive me if this gets a little blue but how how often does he go into bars and hit on ladies with some version of hey did you ever watch friends well you know every night I would imagine like if you're if you're single and you have that in your pocket you kind of have to use it I guess I mean I I can't imagine it works every night maybe that's the better question so first of all you know it works every night (laughs) you know it works every night that's upsetting on a lot well after he you know he's would first try and convince them that he was uh, part of a magic act called Penn and Teller. When that didn't work, he would yep. say, "Okay, I'm really, uh, I'm really Gunther from Friends." Yep. Yeah. Well, and you hope he isn't typecast. You know, I hope he gets to branch out. I hope he gets to explore his craft. You I, know, I perhaps I, I wasn't brave enough to 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 do any sort of click diving, but um, I I would think he acted on shows after this. But I, you know, who knows? Surely. Yeah. Who knows? This also might be one of the things where you make enough money off of it that you just kind of retire and don't have to work anymore. Like that yeah. also would not surprise me. Yeah, I agree. I have another question for you. Sure. Of the main six, who do you think is the most likable? Of the main six characters, who is the most likable? Well, this this plays a little bit into a segment we'll talk about later. But my, my favorite was always Chandler. Okay. I always kind of identified with Chandler. He's a real smart ass. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I just kind of had the aesthetic of, you know, kind of cares, but doesn't care. And like is is has that that personality that, that, that I identified with. So he to okay. me, he was the most likable just because he was genuinely the most funny. The rest of them have very serious character flaws. Rachel is presented sure. as an unlikable person from yes. the first minute yes, she shows she up on Which screen. Is unfortunate. Monica has character traits that are, you know, this constantly she's intolerable, like clean freak, intolerable. <laughs> yeah, like they kind of drive that. Like every every character's story has Phoebe's just got this dark, tragic past and is like presented as. But this, she overcomes it, you know, and she's she, a she's uh, a friendly, bright person despite all of well, that. Well, she has that cab, right? She's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, Joey, yeah. poor Joey, is just Look, the the you know he's not bright. Um, uh, and it, that's kind of hammered home throughout the show. And so I, I kind of felt like, you know, you're left with Chandler, who has his problems, but is like the consistent comic relief, has like some of the best lines in the show. And so I felt like he was 
he was my first. So what about you? Who was your? I, I would actually say you you mentioned him, but I think I think Joey is actually my favorite, and here's why: he's not bright. I I don't think anyone would agree that he's smart or misunderstood or anything. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just not a bright character. I think he's really funny though. I think I think Matt LeBlanc plays him really well and he's he's genuine if nothing else. Sure. Which is which is fun to watch. But you know, you say you think Chandler has the funniest lines. I think Joey has some of the funniest lines. Well they they do a good job, right? I think that's probably fair. They're, it's certainly between those two for the most part. And yeah. I think they and Ross probably has a handful of those just by way of his uh you know, he's kind of the predominant male character I would think uh, so, yeah. of, of the six. Right, so yeah, Joey's certainly the most genuine, right? Mm-hmm. He's if you if you had to like pick somebody to trust, you know, like in a trust fall, it's probably going to be <laughs> Joey for a, a whole assortment of plus. Uh, of reasons. Let's be honest, everyone loves somebody who loves sandwiches. Oh, that's a likable trait, right? It's, it's... Somebody who's like one of his key character features is is into sandwiches. That's true. I, and, and, you know, and, and conversely, I have have historically been suspicious of people that don't <laughs> like sandwiches. That's uh-huh. one of my um, one of my qualification questions if I'm trying to assess a person I've not met before is, do you like sandwiches? If the answer is no or I don't understand, I, you know, I'm suspicious immediately. I, I'm, I'm going to have some Yeah, which, questions. you know, cuts Phoebe off the list because she's a vegetarian. So you can have a vegetarian sandwich. Yeah. Being a vegetarian does not exclude you from loving sandwiches. True. Yeah. True. True. Yeah, you can. I've had many a tomato sandwich uh, in my day. So I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the the arc of the show. I, I felt like as we were rewatching uh, in spots, you know, it, it was it, it, there was a feel, and it's it's kind of weird to watch in fast forward like that when it's meant to be spread out. So it's a little bit disorienting. But it felt like it was a, a the downward spiral. Not that it got terrible at the end, but the quality of the end of the show was not the same as the quality of the beginning of the show. I kind of felt like the first three, four, maybe five seasons were the strongest. And from there, it started to kind of, you know, it did not, not, not jump the shark area quite, but a little bit repetitive. And it kind of started to go around in circles and they invented some stuff and they started to do more of the on-site stuff and let's go to England and do all these things. And to the point where when we were watching uh, the finale, uh, the series finale last night, I believe we, we watched it. It was, it was not... It's funny as I wanted it to be. Well, it was meant to be more emotional and, and, you know, wrap up the story and everyone's winning things. Which makes for a hilarious sitcom. I know. That's the problem is that, it, you know, they sacrifice laughs, laughs for for bows and, and all of that. I, I would agree. I think I think that any sitcom that goes this long, you know, most most stories in a in a broad sense really don't have more than five or six years of of quality material and even some shows get repetitive before that and and i think you know you get to a point okay we can't have ross and rachel keep getting back together and breaking up and back together and breaking up so we'll just have them kind of permanently break up except let's throw a baby in there why not so you know you see you see kind of the same ideas over and over which which kind of made it interesting as far as the arc goes it seemed like all of the key beats were sort of driving home Ross and Rachel storylines right. but what was really interesting when i was watching with you, uh, not by myself. <laughs> well, both. <laughs> right. At times, you were you were by yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were watching together, and uh, you know all the all the finales and premiere, all of that kind of deal with the Ross and Rachel storyline. But the sort of underlying thread that kept being driven throughout was the Monica and Chandler romance, mm-hmm. which is in some ways a lot more interesting because they start out as really great friends and even in the early seasons there there was some episode where she was saying like oh well I would never date you for x or y reasons mm-hmm. can't remember probably just because you know nobody wants to get Janice oh poor Janice well poor Janice I, I, I felt I felt sympathy for, for, for Janice I she's thought Janice was much like Joey and that was just a genuine character with just a tragic personality flaw yeah I mean that's the thing she's she is who she is she's just not a great fit for this group let's put it that way yeah and so back on the topic I agree I think the the Monica Chandler story was was more interesting to me and in, in, a, in a not that I'm looking for realism in this kind of a a context, but a more realistic love story as opposed to like, I think that the turnoff for me with, with, with Ross and Rachel was that it's set up in the very first episode of the show and then they pay it off early 
And it's almost like they didn't expect the show to go more than three or four seasons. And so they just kind of start churning and churning and churning yeah. to make sure that they keep that. It looks like they established that as like a, a, a tent pole of the show's story and didn't know how to like check out or, or in, you know, and it, it felt it felt kind of kind of rehashed. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say the Monica and Chandler relationship just felt a lot more authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, we we kind of that's a that's a love story arc that I think a lot of people are familiar with where oh the person was right in front of you all along and and you fall in love and you once you're in love you stay in love and then you get married and then you have kids um whereas this idea of like oh you're gonna break up and get back together break up get back together that makes for interesting narrative but that is not what you want in your real life love story so there's something there's something that you know it's it's not relatable on a certain level it's not fun to watch because i don't believe they're gonna stay together long term i don't believe they're truly made for each other yeah i think that was kind of the interesting part like they they pay you know it's spoilers obviously if you're if you're listening they pay off the show with them kind of ending up together at the last minute one of the few I, like there was a lot of the show where like I remembered I had like these flashbacks where I remembered watching it from years and years ago and that was every now and then like I would remember this one part where I'm like oh I remember when this happened and one of them was the the voicemail that uh, that she leaves him from the plane when he's in his apartment towards yep. the end of the show and like I, I think when she, they pay that off and they, they get to the end and they're kind of together like that was the same thing that I, I thought I'm like oh well, cool so that's going to last for six months and then they're like this is just going to go around in circles forever yeah he immediately makes a we were on a break joke and Mm -hmm. she looks at him like what am i doing with my life right and it's a fair question. <laughs> felt felt soft. It, it kind of intersects with a, uh, a thought I had about the show, also, which is they. I don't know if it was just ambition with the show, where they or, or, or they thought the show was going to end every season. I can't imagine they did, but they pay off some of this stuff really, really early, like the the Emily Ross wedding, which is like a big point in the show. Like it's all these things happen that like it kind of, you know, kind of comes to a head with all these different story arcs happen in season five, which I don't remember that being the case. Like I kind of think of that as that happened later on and like in the, in the grand scheme of things. And so they, they, I found them consistently doing that. We watched every season premiere Mm -hmm. and a lot of the season finales and, um, you know, in in this rewatch and, and it was, they were going for it every year to the point where like, it felt like they, would end a season and then they'd be like we have no idea what we're going to do because we just threw everything in and they started over. I think that kind of contributes to the season 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 was a lot of well now what do we do? Uh, yeah. And so it, it, it kind of got, they got crazy. Yeah and they they did a very, they, they used the same narrative technique over and over the classic season ending cliffhanger so it, it got to the point, I, I mean I even remember being in college and watching some of those 8 and 9 season cliffhangers and just Oh man, you know what's gonna? Happen? How do I have to? How can I wait till the fall or whatever to to see the end of this story? And it's you know it's effective in a broadcast model sense where you know you're trying to get drive people to the season premiere of the following season, but it's also just sort of I, I don't think we see that as much anymore. I, I'm trying to think of a of a current comedy that does any kind of season ending cliffhanger. Certainly dramas do that kind of stuff. Yeah, well I don't know. I would say they they kind of established that that I, we watch shows like like New Girl mm-hmm. does that like New Girl is a really good you know uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine like a lot of those types yeah, of true. shows that are, are, are that aren't sitcoms but are kind of in that thirty minute comedy kooky characters type of type of deal very character driven shows I, I I think kind of do a better job than they had probably before that of weaving in a storyline year over year over year more than just a here's what's happening but like an, a consistent arc that's happening not only over the course of a season but from season to season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they certainly live up to the name must-see TV. Okay. All yep. right. And, and yep. it's destroyed. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what they did to I mean, I mean, it's it's weird to think about this. I, I meant to look up the ratings, but I didn't get a chance. When this was airing, it was this powerhouse Thursday night, must-see TV, Friends at 8, Seinfeld at 9, ER at 10. So they would try to put the newest shows at, at 8.30 and 9.30 to kind of, you know, hammock scheduling mm-hmm. just to get all oh, programming nerd on oh, you but the uh, yeah the the <laughs> it's all about flow damn it Buckle um, up. <laughs> but yeah i mean they they had these kind of three tent pole shows and i don't know which of the three of those did the best i think i think friends probably was 
was among them of the three among the three uh-huh. anyway, <laughs> certainly they they kind of all competed for for dominance but uh yeah i mean it, this this blew everything else out of the water i don't even remember what other networks had on thursday nights because yeah. it was so insignificant for sure yeah it had, it had a huge left a big crater right it had a huge impact which is certainly probably contributed to why it was on for so long i, I think you know nowadays there's a little bit more control for creators of shows and they have a little bit more authority especially if it's a really successful show to say hey so we're we're good we're going to end it and we feel like the story's been told and I, I think you know that's that's something that's transitioned probably in the last 20 years is there's a little bit more power in the hands of uh, the creators of the show not to kind of drag something on and on but it's an interesting uh, point when you say that I kind of think about some of the notes I wrote down um, refer refer to like this as compared to other shows that came along behind it and kind of the impact that happened so I, I I, you know, like I, I had a note here that says uh, Big Bang Theory is nerd friends. Yeah. It, it is kind of striking. Like when you look at, well, I'm not super familiar with Big Bang Theory. I've seen enough episodes to kind of get the idea of there's two apartments across the hall. And they, like, it, it's, it's, yep. a, it's like, like eerily similar. Like they have a hangout space. Like there's all the stuff and it kind of set a press. I don't know if before Friends there was something of that form. I mean, there are things that were similar, certainly, but not quite, uh, not quite like that. Another, uh, one of our, one of our favorite shows of the moment, I wrote down a comparison. Harrison, uh, is Kimmy Schmidt Bizarro Phoebe? Um, oh, that's when, interesting. When I when I watched Phoebe on the show, a lot of her mannerisms and the way that she acts and talks like is very Kimmy Schmidt. Like you that's could funny. You, could, you could kind of you know like I kind of wonder is uh, is Kimmy Schmidt perhaps one of the uh, the triplets? Oh, uh, yeah, there's, okay. There's I can maybe see that. Cons- yeah, there's maybe a, uh, a conspiracy theory floating around in there. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a note about Phoebe. While we're talking about Phoebe, um, I don't think Phoebe would be friends with any of these people. In <laughs> right. real life. I think that's probably she's, accurate. She's different enough from the rest of them. You can see how Joey and Chandler aren't the same, but they're friends. And how Monica and Rachel aren't the same, but they're friends. Mm-hmm. Phoebe is, is, I mean, I can almost see her pitched as kind of a weird fringe character representing some sort of like retro 60s flower child right. in the 90s of something but but it in genuine terms you know because of the backstory you mentioned just be, just kind of her approach to everything I, I don't know that the rest of them would be friends with her and and part of it is because sometimes she does stuff and they call they all kind of look at each other and laugh at each other right like they all make fun of her and, and, yeah they do and especially considering how like how like truly dark her backstory yeah. is like it's yeah. really like jarringly upsetting um and it may be a kind of a good point something i want to mention before we will we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here but say what you will about the show but the 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 actors in the show do a very good job like i think there's a reason mm-hmm. like like casting i think is a big reason for the success of the show Agreed. along with with writing and timing and i think there's a reason why most if not all of the actors have gone on to do other successful projects all of them yep i think one way or another to star in movies i mean you've got the jennifer aniston level like super movie star person but everybody else like has their own shows. Lisa Kudrow's been on a number of shows. She's been very, I think she's won some awards for some shows she's mm-hmm. done recently on uh, on some different networks and Matt LeBlanc recently been on. I mean, it's, it, there's a, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of talent. And I think um, uh, Phoebe's a good example of an actor, Lisa Kudrow, who knowing kind of what she's like in real life, like that's not a part that's very similar to how she right. normally acts. And so it's, um, there weren't a lot of easy character choices where they were just playing themselves. I think as, as weird and quirky and strange as they are, and as over the top as that appears sometimes, like they're all doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I would agree completely. I think I think uh, Matt LeBlanc does a really great job, as I mentioned, of Joey, and you know to to say nothing of the Joey spinoff, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you ever watched it, but uh, I, I watched <laughs> did, it a did little bit. Did anyone ever watch it? I watched it a little bit, um, <laughs> most notably because I was a big Drea DiMatteo fan okay. of Sopranos fame. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember I've not Adriana familiar, yeah. Christopher. Um, just, a big, just a big Drea DiMatteo fan, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not a reason to watch the show Joey, so please don't, anyone out there. But, but you know, that that aside, I think I think you're absolutely right that they, they can't can't, they can't have this successful as a show that, you know, we talk about Seinfeld as a show about nothing, but this is a show about people who hang out and they just joke around with each other. And that's only entertaining if the people are charming. And I think that they deliberately have some of their quirks be sort of over the top and cartoonish in a way that I think only works in a sitcom.
rom-com. But I think I think you're absolutely right that everyone plays their role really, really well. Um, I think David Schwimmer, as I mentioned, might be the best actor in the show just because his character is, I think, really extreme. And I think he I think he has really good comedic timing as far as when he's kind of hysterical about stuff. And I yeah, know, I, think I think he does so. a good job. Some underrated acting for sure. Courtney Cox, I think honorable mention, she's always yep. one of my favorites. She's not she doesn't consistently have the best lines, but her like emotional highs and lows, like she has some really good lines and jokes. And yep. uh, I, I think she does a really good job of of hitting the hitting the spot. So uh, so with that, I think that's probably a good place to to wrap it up. And, and uh, should we move on to our, our overdramatic segment? Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. So before we do that, let's go ahead and wrap up close ups. Now it's time for our most unpopular take. Let's get over dramatic. Do you have an unpopular opinion? I think I think you should start because I'm a little worried about my unpopular opinion and how it's going to be received. Okay, well that's uh, well now I'm now I'm very interested. So my <laughs> my, my over dramatic take is is pretty personal. I, I kind of realized this about halfway through the show, and, and it a little bit about what we what we what we've spoken about to this point. I'll, we'll explain it, but um, it, it's that I, I always thought I was a Chandler. I always <laughs> always kind of pictured myself as a Chandler, and I'm like that's my like if you kind of if I'm taking the quiz is like which one of the friends are you? I'm like oh yeah, I'm definitely the the Chandler, but the more I watch it and the more I, I think about it, I, I think I might actually be a Ross. And Aww. it is... It is it is really disturbed my world. Uh, it's it's a terrible realization that that is going to take me years <laughs> to digest. I, I'm I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but like watching the show now uh, at at an older age, I, I think I've gone from 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 a Chandler to a Ross, and and uh, it's it's I'm hurting. Yeah, I I would say I yeah, I don't know that you're a Ross. <laughs> I like you, so that's a good sign. Uh, I would say that I think most women my age would like to imagine that they're a Rachel, but I. I know I'm a Monica. I just know I am. <laughs> well, but we love Monica. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I believe that. But that said, thank you. That's that's very nice. So my unpopular take, and I didn't feel this way when I was originally watching the show, but I did in in a couple of different rewatch settings, I have I have sort of had the opinion. I don't think Chandler is funny. <laughs> what? Oh no. This is th- gonna be a big problem. <laughs> okay. He he is funny most of the time, but I don't think of him as like the funny one. I think he wants to be the funny one. I think I think wow. sometimes he's trying too hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm I'm like I'm practicing my breathing exercises right now. It's not that he's not funny. It's it's that. Wow, I, you're. You look, he, you're let, me, let me put it a different way. He's not as funny as he thinks he is. Oh boy. Okay. okay. All yeah. right. Uh, you're, you're, look, hey, you're the welcome beginning to of the your, end of our marriage. Apparently, <laughs> you are welcome to have as many incorrect opinions as you, as you would like to have. Look, I I can certainly get on board with the idea that Chandler is definitely trying hard. Like he's yeah. his go to is. I am socially awkward, which is part of his character arc, and so I'm sure. going to make jokes at every turn, whether appropriate or inappropriate. Uh, but in the context of a sitcom, uh, I, I think he, I think he, to me, like he delivers most of my favorite lines, and so That's therefore, fair. That's fair. Um, you are just so wrong. Okay, I just, all right, all right. I, so I, I have another unpopular opinion. Okay. Um, wow, and it's okay. You're just brave. Today. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the, the first one went so well. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So so my second one is is related and that is there are times where you can you can go on YouTube and watch scenes of friends without the laugh track and I do not recommend anyone do this other than that I'm mentioning it so now your curiosity is peaked so you should go do this Mm -hmm. but it sort of draws attention to the fact that sometimes characters are saying things that are not funny that are that are sort of taken as a joke in a weird way Mm -hmm. and I i it's like watching a ghost story. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like like part of the thing and I think I think more contemporary comedies do this where if it's a group of friends and one of them makes a joke, the other ones laugh at the joke cuz that makes sense. Like if if mm-hmm. if your friends are joking and they make a joke, you laugh. That's just how it works. But on the show, it's almost like the laugh track is there so they don't need to laugh at each other. So it's like they're all just kind of stoically standing around 
saying things that are inappropriate or awkward and the audience is laughing, but just the scene itself is sure. stilted and weird without. Yeah. Well, look, Colin, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's weird that they have a lot of this stuff stuck in. I find the sitcom format very strange. Uh, and I think you're, you're really brave for, for standing up and, and pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, so with that, with that, we'll take a little break here. Um, we'll come back, talk. We'll hand out some awards. That sounds uh, great, and then we'll uh, give our, our closing arguments in the score. So we'll be right back after this break. We were on a break, and now we're back. <laughs> See what I did there? All right, let's get gussied up. It's Dundee time. <laughs> Cliff, do you want to start us off with your best moment or episode? I do. I'm, I'm excited to hand out some of these esteemed awards. Um, so for, for best, I actually I have two. I have one award to hand out and then kind of an honorable mention. Uh, so so the award for best best thing about the show, best moment series, so it ha- what have you, is, uh, is Marcel. Oh, the monkey. I, uh, I wrote, he has achieved monkey immortality. So it's really Aww. a lifetime achievement award uh, when you think about it here at the mm-hmm. Dundies for, for Marcel the monkey. So much so that he he got his own you know, like honorary mention for sentences on the WB tour that we That's took right. out in Los Angeles. That's right. Uh, talking about that he's, I believe the tour guide said, the most famous monkey in the world, perhaps. I may be paraphrasing, but, you know, earns his keep in the show, talks about being a movie star, even in the show, friends, Marcel is uh, the best thing to happen to television since basic cable. Wow. I, and I, and I, <laughs> I, I, I'm honored to present to him this award. All right. Uh, so, He's so, not here to accept the award, I think, because he has long see, passed away. The joke's on you, Marcel. Come on out here. Come on out, buddy. <laughs> okay. He's, he's been hiding in the closet. Oh, he's not moving. Um, moving on. So I, I, want, I also have an honorable mention really quickly okay. for All best, right. uh, which is something that I, for when I was a kid, remember, I was... 14, 15 when this happened. I was eating a lot of sandwiches at the time. Uh-huh. It's a big... Teenagers eat sandwiches just nonstop. It's just easy food to make. Um, and there's a one part of the show that always stuck with me as like the greatest idea ever, which is <laughs> which is Ross's device of making sandwiches. Remember the episode where he gets really upset when he takes his sandwich to work and somebody steals his sandwich? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you remember what he calls the piece of bread that he sticks in between uh, the two slices? Uh-uh. It's called the moist maker. Okay. It's called the moist maker. Uh, and <laughs> the idea is that it's a of one piece of bread that you put in the middle of the sandwich so that it, it kind of soaks up all of the sandwich goodness in the middle. And that always okay. stuck with me as something that was just an ingenious idea. All right. Uh, really amazing thing about the show. Uh, so honorable mention for uh, for the invention of the moist maker. Those are some deep cuts. Yeah. What can I say? Wow. My, mine are going to sound pedestrian at best. Well, I'm excited to hear that. <laughs> well, maybe lower those expectations a little. <laughs> I already blew you away with my uh, unpopular opinion. So uh, I have. I also have two. Mm-hmm. One moment that I love is the first time that Ross and Rachel kiss. No, come on. <laughs> at the end of the first I've season, made it when, so uh, far. they're at the coffee shop and they're having a fight about Julie and the cat or something. Well, this maybe mm. this wasn't at the end of the first season. Anyway, they're having a fight about Julie and the cat or something, and unlocks the door and they kiss and it's romantic and it's. They're finally getting together. It's very sweet. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. My second one, you're going to notice a theme here, is when uh, Monica and Chandler get engaged. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's very sweet. This is how it's going to be, huh? No, it's very sweet. And here's here's what I like about it. The, The whole episode sets up this thing about Chandler's kind of freaking out and he wants everything to be perfect and he thinks that Monica's freaking out and then, um, you know, the, the kind of story is flipped on him and he comes in and she's going to propose to him and it's sure. very sweet and, and we all cried a little bit. Oh, I was wept like a baby. Yeah I, yeah, I recall. It was, uh, it was very emotional. Very yeah. emotional. Uh, honorable mention number three. Okay. Whoa. All right. The chick and the duck. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The chick and the duck or chick junior and duck junior. Well, the, the originals. R.I.P. Yeah, right. Is this the in memoriam part of the Dundies? (laughs) 
Oh the other thing I like, uh, and this is this is again just a deep cut. One of those jokes that always stuck with me is really really funny is when uh, Joey and Chandler move apart from each other because Joey's making a whole bunch of money as a as an actor. Mm-hmm. Then he buys all those dumb statues, and he buys the little water dripping. Thing, so mm-hmm. it looks like he's looking out a rainy window. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's just a scene where Chandler is somewhere looking out the window at the rain, being sad about it, and Joey is somewhere looking at his little water statue rain <laughs> thing, yeah. being sad about it. This is just one of my favorite jokes. Yeah, there, there, there's really there's like some it. there's some quality jokes written in the show. I have to say, I, I kind of took a look at the list of writers show, and I did notice any names that jumped out, but they really really good joke writing on the show yeah, for sure. They I, knew I the agree. characters acted well. Well, yep. written well. Um, so, should we talk about worst? I think uh, we should. Yes. For, for worst, which is an yep. unusual part of an award show, but that that's, <laughs> that's been that way for a century. And yep. who are we to change the tradition? Yep. So, my worst was really specific, uh, and, I, and this is one of the first notes I made about the show. Actually, when the, during the first couple of seasons, uh, my my worst award goes out to the PA in charge of shirt sizing. Okay. Um, I think <laughs> right. I think they're they're not uh, they're not doing a great job. I've never seen so many oversized shirts ever before in my entire life. I think life. they look nice. I realized that the 90s, is, it was a time capsule of the 90s, the show was. And so, I, you know, I, I get that it's kind of the style, but I mean, come on. Come, I mean, come on. Like, the, like there's, they're, they're wearing shirts that are like twice the size of the people that are in them. They're like, how do they, they have to get caught on stuff all the time. They're probably frayed from like getting caught on fences and all sorts of nonsense. Like it's just ridiculous. So bowling shirts only come in one size. Wow. Uh, So that's my worst story. I think think there's somebody that was supposed to be handling that that just did not do their job. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Certainly it's fun to watch. But uh, yeah, you throw some oversized pants in there and it's just a ridiculously oversized wardrobe. My worst goes to the sort of I don't want to say laziness, but but certainly the sort of over overdone territory of all the dudes that Rachel dates in the later seasons like Tag oh. and Dermot McDermott is a thing and mm-hmm. you know it just it just gets kind of boring because they're also like there there's no real sense that Rachel has like a type that's interesting except that time that she dates Russ who's <laughs> just exactly really cross <laughs> that's like funny yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a friend who did that where they started dating someone oh. who was exactly like the person they just broke up with anyway uh, so that's my worst is all the, okay. <laughs> I like this show. I, it's, it's fair that's fair yeah. so so I so I, I think that's been a, a pretty good pretty good run here unfortunately none of the recipients were here as, as usual to accept their awards so we'll accept them uh, on their behalf and we'll, we'll ask the orchestra to go ahead and play us off sounds good It's, it's just it's just top flight. So majestic. Yeah, it's very majestic. So yep. uh, so now that we've we've uh, talked in depth about the show, we've we've uh, been over dramatic. We've handed out awards. It's time to get serious. It's time to go before Judge Stone and give our closing arguments uh, and pass Almighty judgment. So this is the segment of the podcast where, of course, we, we give kind of one last defense of, of our feelings of the show uh, and then hand out a score. Those scores, of course, we'll each give on a scale of one to five. And then in true Star Search fashion, we will combine those scores to give ultimately the show uh, a rating from, from one to ten stars. Uh, then we'll post that in the pantheon of the showdown shows that we've reviewed and, and uh, put them up on the leaderboard and see where they where they fall. So, Colin, would you like to go first? I would love first? to. Yeah. So it should not surprise anyone listening that despite its flaws, despite some, you know, unnecessary extra episodes in later seasons, sort of the let's throw a baby in there kind of mistake that all shows make sooner or later. I I think this is one of those shows that it was great when I watched it back then. It's something that whenever you return to it, it's sort of comfort food in a certain way. But at the same time, you know, this last rewatch, it's really funny. It's it's genuinely great to watch. And there there's some really great moments, some great character work. And also, you know, you've grown up with it in a certain way. It's 
kind of like they're your friends. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> so can see where this on is that going. incredibly melodramatic note, uh, I, I'll give it four and a half stars. I wow. think it's a great show. Okay. All right. That's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really high, but also, you know, like I said, my, my voice keeps getting higher in defense of it's really high. It's a really good show. What can I say? Um, but I, I think, I think it is a good show. I think it's one of those where, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to be snarky and come in and, oh, you know, friends is so populist and whatever. But, you know, despite myself, it's made me laugh a whole bunch and I found it to be entertaining. And, you know, there are some, you know, we didn't mention Pivot, which is kind of one of those special things that sometimes you can just yell to people and they get the reference, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you're carrying a couch up some stairs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's just one of those shows that it's, it's kind of checked a bunch of cultural boxes. And, and for that reason, I give it four and a half stars. I, I think so. That's, I guess that's a great score. So, uh, so my, my closing <laughs> you argument, say that's a great story. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. So, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. So, my closing argument is simply this: Friends is, is the ultimate '90s time capsule. I think we've established that. I mean, it, it is all '90s all the time in your face. It's a Gin Blossoms video come to life. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the jokes held up really well watching it. Like, I, I felt like it was a funny show then. I felt like it was pretty funny. Not everything lands, but I mean, all in all, like not a lot of period-specific jokes. I mean, it was it was all based on on the characters. I, I thought that was really good. So the jokes held up well. Even if the extreme fashion uh, and non-diverse casting were a bit problematic, which I think we didn't mention a lot on the show, it's probably right. worth mentioning. I mean, Friends, along with Seinfeld, gets a bad rap because it's it's mostly all white people, which yeah. I, I think is is uh, you know kind of a sign of kind of the way TV was in the '90s and kind of having information that we have now. Like I think it's starting to get a little bit better. That's one of the one of the things that's problematic about the show is it, it doesn't represent a lot of diverse viewpoints. I, I will say and. I didn't mention before that it, it you know it gets it gets kind of a bad rap for uh, you know making some some jokes and kind of making fun of things that probably wouldn't be appropriate to do today. But I do think they went out of their way to kind of represent at a time when it wasn't common on TV a lot of LGBTQ mm-hmm. characters. Uh, there's uh, there's a number of them uh, throughout the show. Ross's ex-wife, in fact. So they, sure. they're not always very sensitive in their handling of it. But the fact that they put those characters in the show that those are competent. You know, flushed out characters. Um, I, I think says a lot about it, and so they, they, you can see they kind of tried maybe in some of those fronts to be a little bit more diverse, but ultimately failed. There's just not a lot of uh, not a lot of open casting until maybe some later seasons. Yeah, and truthfully, you know, at the time, not that this excuses it, but but people just weren't as conscious. They weren't as woke, just to be you know real hip about it. But they, they just right. weren't as aware that that was something they should be paying attention to. And I think rightly so, we've kind of corrected that as a society. And right. Especially the first show set in New York City, I think right. it was kind of one of those right. things where there, it's it, you know it's it's something that kind of uh, looking back on it now you can see pretty easily that they they there's a lot we missed a lot of steps but I think they also did some things that kind of I mean I kind of I noticed that during the show and look back I'm like when was Ellen on Ellen famously was the first sitcom to have like a yep. character both the 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 actor and the part openly come out as uh, as as gay on television which was a big step and Ellen was the same time which was yep. kind of a, a, a big deal as a newsworthy item that came up and so Friends as being as popular as it was was kind of inserting some of those things too which I felt like at least was was an effort so they probably should have made more clearly over the long run but uh, so, so so a lot of complexity kind of built in there uh, but ultimately for my closing argument my, my final statement was best in breed I think that's kind of the best description I have of the show is that it's a, uh, a sitcom that had a lot of other sitcoms like it it was on at the same time as things like Seinfeld and some of these other shows that you kind of associate with that period in time uh, and for me this was the best version of what this show was at the time when this type of show uh, ruled the earth. And so for that, uh, I gave it a score of four, okay. uh, which is All right. pretty high in my book. So yeah. I think between us, that lands us at a total score of, of nine and a half. 8.5. Uh, of eight, excuse me, 8.5. Wow. Yeah. yeah see, yeah. I, my math skills are already uh, already <laughs> declining having watched entirely too much television. It's destroying okay. my brain. So, so eight and a half uh, <laughs> uh, is the score that we have for, uh, for, for Friends, which I think is pretty worth. Uh, so with that, we'll we'll uh, we'll go to break here. We'll take some time to log that into the leaderboard here, so everybody can see it, and we'll be right back to play some bonus rounds. All right, 
welcome back to the showdown. So it's our third and final segment of the of the show here, uh, and my personal favorite. Colin. Mine too. You know, this is my just my very favorite. I part love of the it. Show. Uh, I love time, playing games with you. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's time for uh, for bonus rounds. Of course, are you ready? Okay, someone has someone else's brain is broken apparently <laughs> during the course of this episode. So, so of course, uh, bonus rounds is where we, we stop and, and we play some games. We've uh, got a whole bunch of uh, of games here on our on our big wheel that are all very very stupid. Yeah. Uh, and so we're gonna uh, we're gonna take some turns. We're gonna spin the. We're gonna play three games. Declare uh, a winner. Who I mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we know who that's gonna end up being. It's gonna be me. Uh, so, Colin, would you like to go and spin absolutely? It? I'm gonna spin it. Here we go. All right. This looks like a win. So uh, it's time for the recasting office. fun. So the recasting office, of course, is the game where we, we get to take one part in the show and recast it with anyone else in the world uh, that we would like to, to play that part. And so, Colin, would you like to go first? Or you I, go first? I don't think I can go first. I'm having a really hard time coming up with okay, anything. Okay, well, then I'll go first. Okay. I, 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 have, I have an idea. So I, I feel like, and this is really just for reasons of, of pure spite, I, I, I'd love to recast the part of Ross Geller uh, with Brad Pitt. Okay. I, I, think that would, I think that would be fun. I understand that Brad Pitt was on the show kind of in that capacity, but I think in the grand scheme of the way that that played out publicly, which I, I don't still don't fully understand how that was such a, a, a big uh, ordeal in the press, but it was, versus the Ross and Rachel dynamic uh, in the show, I, I think kind of melding those two worlds together would create the most dramatic relationship the world has ever seen and probably cause some sort of a of an interdimensional wormhole that, that perhaps would kill us all. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I'm going to beat that. <laughs> I'd like to declare a winner, but that wouldn't be any fun. So I think we probably could recast Gunther, not that I, that I don't think uh james michael tyler did a good job <laughs> i like how you covertly looked up his name that's uh i want the people at home to know <laughs> that that was uh uh the most subversive lookup i've ever seen he's just not that memorable <laughs> oh. wow sorry gunther something personal look he's going to bars he's picking up chicks it's fine no okay. i i would like to recast him with uh someone someone that's a little bit more Interesting. I, you know, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. Oh with boy. This. Oh boy. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. So, somebody like, uh, um, crap. No, I can't think of the guy's name. It's the guy from Breaking Bad, Walter White. Uh, Walter White's a different character. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, Brian Cranston. Oh, That's Brian, who I'm thinking okay. of. Somebody, somebody who's, you know, snarky and funny even plays deadpan really well okay so you want to you want one of the greatest actors of a generation brian cranston (laughs) to play gunther like i said i didn't think i was going to beat brad pitt okay all right so that's fair enough so that's that's your entry uh the the insta poll here on my on my computer of course is is only 98 percent for me there are two percent although there is a margin of error in the poll of plus or minus i'm gonna get the next one so don't you you worry make of that what you will so uh let's i'll take round one but you know, you, you'll get your chance here. Yep. You're, you're due for a comeback. So yep. I'll, I'll go ahead and spin the wheel for Great. the next round. All right, here we go. Oh, boy. It looks like we've landed on everybody's favorite. It's the wide world of jorts. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of jorts. The thrill of victory. Agony of defeat. The human drama of fashion. Competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Jorts. 
All right. So that's the longest uh, theme song humanly possible. <laughs> and the best, let's any, be honest. <laughs> any bonus round. But we, we like to play to completion just because it's, it, is, it is so, so very stupid. So, uh, of course, Wide World of Jorts is the game where we nominate our, our this is going to be a difficult one, where yep. we nominate our choice for worst dressed the, in the show. So, so many things to choose from. Uh, would you like to go first? You uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I can really definitively say which one of these six main characters is the worst dressed. I want to say it's Chandler, just because we were just watching a scene where he had the widest tie. It looked like someone dressed him for a period piece set in the 50s. It was unbelievable. So I, I think he he also wears a lot of bowling shirts. No offense to those, but as Cliff was saying, they're all way too large. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think he's probably the most classically 90s dressed and therefore the worst. Okay, so you're your, your entry is just Chandler and, and just overall, just in general, this, which is fair enough. So, yeah. I, I, so I, I, this is a really tough one for me to narrow down. I, I think I have my answer. I, I wanted to say very specifically there's, and it, it's part of a joke of the show, but the episode where Joey's trying to play a 19 oh, year old and yeah, comes out and has just best. a like borderline offensive yeah. uh, outfit on. But my, but my choice for, for worst dress of the show, and this pains me to say, because I actually enjoy her character as you said before Janice, uh-huh. um, um, yeah. I, I gotta go with Janice. Every time Janice appears on screen, she's wearing some sort of neon pantsuit that, like, you can't look directly at. Like, it's yep. it's it's almost painful because the colors are so are, are so bright, and so that's that's kind of it's almost one of her uh, her character traits is that she wears things that are difficult to, to look at in yeah, the her, daylight. Her clothing is as loud and obnoxious as her laugh. That's wow. You know what? That's that's hurtful and I she's bet standing that was right behind you. And I <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, hey, Janet. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's the, first <laughs> like of all, that's the nanny. The worst. And you know it. Um, <laughs> secondly, <laughs> it's easily confused but uh, very offensive. So, uh, that's my nomination. I think uh, that's great. I think I'm the clear winner, but uh, sure. Okay, all right. Well, we'll, we'll then that's going to that's gonna take us to the tiebreak here, the third uh, and final game. I, I would love to, to let you spin the wheel this time. Oh, absolutely. All right, there it goes. Oh, boy. And it looks like it's going to land on a little game we like to call Parental Advisory. Full alert! Full alert! <laughs> so this is this is a game, of course, where we uh, we try and give our best encapsulated description of how we would describe this show to our parents if they'd never seen it. A lot of our our lives is spent, uh, at least mine, kind of giving my parents suggestions on television shows that I know they'll never watch, but still I try because they're both retired and they like to sit around and watch shows and I feel like there's some things they would enjoy. And so a lot of the difficulty is how how do you describe this show in a way that is going to be appealing to them, but short enough so they're not going to lose uh, lose interest. And so, uh, Colin, would you like to try? Would you like to yeah, I mean, truthfully, this is going to be really hard because one of the major plot points of the show is how much everybody is having sex with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not necessarily something I would tell my parents as far as how to get them interested in a show but I, okay so so i would say it's a show about six people who are all friends that seems easy enough and they tell really good jokes and it's from the 90s and you'll like it it's mm-hmm. very very vanilla yeah that's uh that's that's pretty pretty short and sweet I, my my description is going to lean on a device that i commonly use when talking to my parents is trying to describe how accurate it is for the time knowing that they leave those periods, which applies to me too. And I realize as I'm older, our kids will, uh, will probably employ the same, the same tactics on us, but kind of, I would describe this to my parents as a show about how crazy people were in the nineties, uh, and, and how they, they dressed in, in larger cities, uh, and perhaps, uh, skip this short list of episodes, uh, that you don't, you don't need to watch, which is difficult. I know my parents have seen this show, but that's, that's, that's probably the description I would give them is, um, just kind of selling it is a, 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 a really good historical uh, 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 review of, of the mid-90s and how people dressed and behaved almost as if it were a documentary on the subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could air on the History Channel. Oh, That's and, how you get your dad hooked on it. And uh, with the syndication the show's gone through, probably has aired on the History Channel at some point. It's probably on there right now. Yep. So it's, I'm kind of looking at the results coming in on the poll. Wow, this is a really close okay. one uh, coming there in There is here. no poll. You it, know it's, that. It, it's so... Uh, 
5248 oh, okay. uh, to, to Cliff, it looks like. Oh, yeah, uh, so I bet it does. I, I, I bet I, it does. Listen, the people have spoken. Uh, once again, uh, I will you know proudly take the uh, the crown this week for <laughs> for bonus rounds. And, and, you know, what can I say? Better luck next time, Colin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Better luck next time. So, so, <laughs> so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks, as always, for, for, for joining us. We uh, really appreciate it. We, we hope you had some fun. Uh, if you want to, come and visit us at uh, online at www.showdownpodcast.com to play along, leave us some notes, check out information about the show, listen to episodes, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, and as always, I'm Cliff. I'm Colin. And this is The Showdown signing off. So no one told you life was gonna be this way.